Hello. This is the second episode of Postmodern Africa, and I would like to welcome you to this episode. Yes, it has been a minute since I recorded my last episode, but I would like to take this as a start of season one of Postmodern Africa, introducing many conversations and ideas that I think are worth having. First, I will do my best to record an episode as often as I can because I am in college and I, it is a bit of a hassle to record. But beyond that, I also will no longer be recording video of myself, except in situations that I think is necessary. Today, we'll be talking about postmodernism and why I chose that topic of all the topics to speak of in this situation. It will be an interesting conversation and I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining me. And welcome to Postmodern Africa. First, I'd like to start off by clarifying that I am a learner, that most of the stuff that I am discussing here is more of a platform for me to learn and understand these topics, because what I believe is that fundamentally talking or speaking through ideas is the very act of thinking itself like one can hold ideas they, they think dearly but until they are forced to challenge or speak of them and calcify them into solid globules for people to digest then until then is when they really get to understand what they think or what they think they think um so I am a learner and I am not a philosopher and my conversation about postmodernism is more of a very informal one. I came to the term through various online discussions and very, um, well, rather segregated area of the um, internet. And while I do not agree with most of the ideas on that part, I found it as a very instructive tool to access a conversation, a conversation that I think is necessary and must be had at all levels and in society today, especially in Nigeria, where I'm coming from. But what is this conversation? And I'm basically using postmodernism as an entry point into that conversation. So I'm not particularly enthralled by the postmodern, by, by the idea of postmodernism, but I am more enthralled by the access to a larger conversation that it allows but what is this conversation that i speak of well what is we can start from the question of what is postmodernism well it is a very hard question because for the, the very get-go postmodernism is not was not created to be defined postmodernism is inherently a term that disagrees with um a definition postmodernism the best way to I, that i understand it is simply as a rejection of modernist values and what are modern what what are modernism's values sorry postmodernism is a rejection of modernism's values so what are modernism's values well modernism's values are for one the claims to logic objectivity rationality and science in essence, claiming that, well, with methods that can be universalized, we can come to certain conclusions about the nature of the world. 
So if we look at the world and then we want to understand it, well, there is a way to understand it that can be universally accessed, that every single person who wants to understand the world can understand the world in this way. And it is universally testable and apply and applicable. So think about, for example, um, simply um, drugs. If, for example, one doesn't feel well, regardless if they're not, if they have, if they have a pain in their in in their mouth, well, you take an ibuprofen, and as such, ibuprofen should work regardless of who is using it. So, in Nigeria, for example, well, jazz can work. Jazz is a form of um, witchcraft. Well, jazz can work in one part, but it cannot work in the other part. Well, modernism was like, well, why should we have all these different forms of um, um, unreliable, at least, um, things that, well, we cannot be sure if they're going to always work. How can we come to a conclusion or an agreement as to what are the best um, forms of knowledge that we can rely on? And the entire project of modernism is to provide a universal um, a universal consensus on certain rules or ideas that we can consider to be true. Now, true in the sense that it is universal, that any single person who accesses it can use it in that same way. So postmodernism is a rejection to that. It rejects modernism's grand claims. Modernism's grand claims being that it can access something that is absolutely true. So if it can access something, if it so modernism claiming that it can access something that is absolutely true would mean that, well, some people, well, let, let me take a step back on that one. So postmodernism rejects modernism's claims and says, well, there is, I disagree with that. I don't think that there is nothing, that there is anything that is absolutely true. There is nothing that is absolutely true. So modernism is like, hey, I can create something, given consensus, given tools of logic, objectivity, rationality, and science, we, we can basically create um, a, we can create a universal truth. But postmodernism rejects that and says, well, I don't think you can come to such a conclusion. And for many reasons, they, postmodernism rejects that. The postmodern philosophers argue that, well, everything is not necessarily true. There's nothing that's absolutely true. Some things, or in fact most things, or in fact everything, has been constructed by different groups as a power play of sorts in order to disadvantage other groups. So let's imagine that there is nothing that is absolutely true. So if there is nothing that is absolutely true, so what do we know? The only things that we know are the things that have been told to us. And who has controlled the narrative for the longest time is the question. Who determines what we know? Who determines what knowledge is accessible? What form of knowledge or what form of understanding of the world? Well, it has to be a group that wants power in order for people to understand the world in a certain way. If it if people understand the world in that way, then it serves them well. As such, that group is the that that group or that that um that group is the group we should look to when we speak of understanding the of understanding knowledge. Who has controlled the narrative for the longest time? And that is basically postmodernism's core crux. Like inherently, that we have that throughout history there is nothing as truth. All that we have are narratives or constructs throughout history. And 
if there is nothing that's absolutely true, then everything is constructed. And if it is constructed, it has been constructed by one group in order to favor, in order to favor a group over other groups. But beyond that, so why would they do that? Well, the question, the answer postmodernism provides is it's power. People or groups care about power. Groups want to have the most power. So throughout history, the one group that postmodernism looks at and says, well, what group has the most power, technically speaking, in our world today? Well, it is straight, heterosexual, white men. Though that is the group that has the most power, and that is the group that throughout history has controlled the narrative. As such, postmodernism is a rejection of that of that power that that group has created. Is it well? How has this group controlled narratives throughout history? How has this group created a sense of the world that everyone else, in that sense, then becomes subservient to them? And that's postmodernism's core crux. But it's, but that so that, that's that's sort of my hashed def on trying understanding of postmodernism but to be more precise in order to understand post the postmodernist ethos well there's let, let's let, let's try and apply it to to um to 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 more recent case and i don't plan to dwell on the theory for for most of the podcast i'm simply using as i explained before postmodernism entry into a larger conversation and for the most part this postmodernism that I speak of has produced certain things which, well, some argue, and before I get, before I get to what I argue, some argue um, has produced things like identity politics as it is in, it, in the current strand of identity politics that we see. It has produced um, movements like feminism, like the LGBTQ movement, and various noble movements throughout history. And some argue that that postmodernism is what... Is, is is the idea of postmodernism is what what has allowed these groups to be to flourish throughout for so what has allowed these ideas or movements to flourish as we see them today so that's the first part so what is the purpose of postmodern africa why juxtapose two seemingly different ideas well the purpose in this situation is to precisely do that to, to con particularly contemplate that irony contemplate the possibility that postmodernism in its popular conception as sort of this all-encompassing term for identity politics and all that it contains is becoming more popular in africa and more particularly in nigeria as i would discuss um and hopefully open to other countries eventually but in particular in nigeria are the, make the argument that um, the postmodern version of politics or the postmodern ethos is becoming more popular in our contemporary discourse. As such, Nigeria in its contemporary discourse is, skip, is skipping the modern and going straight to a postmodern, regardless of its... And one thing I'm clarifying is that regardless of its... Of its um, place in societies regardless of its current technological development is that technology or the internet more particularly or or more so, or social media in fact to be more precise has allowed for a um liberalization of discourse and for a merging of discourse that has allowed nigeria to s jump into the postmodern sphere 
of discourse or allowed Africa to jump into that postmodern sphere of discourse. And my argument is particularly that for now, I have come to the conclusion that it is not particularly the most healthy or the most helpful direction that Nigeria can take. Now, while this is contestable, and I do have sympathies for the for other arguments to it, but without and the point is that throughout the the course of this podcast or throughout the course of this journey, as I learn more, I'll be able to form a more fully formed opinion. But my initial intuition is that the conversations around postmodernism that decenter um, logic and objectivity and rationality are not necessarily the most um, productive for Africa in its current state. Now, in the next episode, Professor Adishin Afolayan, who's a professor of philosophy at University of Badom, who I met last summer, spoke speaks particularly about the issue of postmodernism in Africa, but more particularly in African philosophy. So African philosophy, for a long time, has had this dilemma whereby... Um, it is, it it can be considered a. It, it it is a question as to whether it is a valid. It is there has been a question raised as to whether it, there is something uniquely African about the philosophy, or whether it is just a philosophy in and of itself, or whether it's just normal philosophy. So what is the point of calling it African philosophy? Um, but beyond that, um, postmodernism, at least in uh, in the context of African philosophy is used as a tool to sort of excavate a space for, a way for it. So it's saying in the sense that like we understand um we understand Western philosophy to be more dominant paradigm. Well postmodernism I argue that well why can't why is Western philosophy the most pa- dominant paradigm throughout history? Because the West has controlled power. As such, po- we can use postmodernism as a tool to say, well no, African philosophy is an equally if there is something, or if there is something to be defined as African philosophy, is an equally valid p- arena of philosophy, and as such, should be given that space to exist as a philosophy in and of itself. And as so, so that kind of argument is precisely along the lines of what Professor Additional Afolayan will ex- expand on. But to be more precise, it is a very interesting venture, and the conversations that will happen here. Will border will 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 border on the topics that are more popular, and I will do my best to stay in touch with current trends in conversation. So, in a bid to keep this podcast somewhat current and in tune with current happenings, I'll touch a bit on the fouls issue uh, that is popular on Nigerian Twitter these days. So, fouls is a rapper in Nigeria who basically um, commented that. Um, has made a lot of songs in the past that comment on the lifestyle of um, escorts or sex workers or prostitutes. And it's a very, very um, big issue in the sense that it's something that he's not only done once, but done perpetually um, accord- according to, well, the, con- the, the consensus on social media. Um, so in understanding that, well... I don't have strong opinions on um, either side. One side argues that, well, it's his art, it's his craft, and essentially, why why should he be, um, why shouldn't he talk about such an ill? On the other hand, another side 
talks about the way he addresses the entire issue, especially with a video that circulated with the way he used the term feminist in a very derogatory term when he said, oh, feminists in the house, sort of expecting a very derogatory term. So it sort of become, it it really blew up and became this much bigger issue about um, in some way, um, whether files or not, whether files should con- should use such words, should you should continue to talk about what he talks about in his music in the way that he continues to talk about it. Um, at the heart of it, one of the major conversations was about the ethics of prostitution, which is an age-old debate, and d- people have been arguing having that argument forever. But it isn't something that um, that would easily be resolved. But what happens is with the polarization of the conversation in the way that it happened on social media or happened in Twitter, it gives no room for nuance or actual getting to the meat of the substance. On the one hand, there are the group of people who are criticizing Fowles for his um, continuous punching down on women. Um, And that is... So that is something that that he's continued to do. And there's that group that criticizing him for that. But in doing so, in calling him out publicly, what they do is then it fails to become an actual call to his reckoning. It becomes more of a um, show and a grandstanding of his failure. On the other hand, there are those who well would never agree that, well, anything should be changed and are comfortable with the status quo and that sort of call out culture that takes two extremes that pits people against each other in this dynamic of um is really what fails to um capture the nuance of these conversations that well cannot necessarily be resolved in one answer or in one way but always seeks to always seeks to like present itself as though it can be and that is the and that is my little two cents on the issue. It can be better the way it is. The issue, the issue could have been dealt with a lot better. Um, I don't think necessarily any side was wrong or right. I think that as all, almost always the answer or the truth is shared between both parties. And everyone has his own, everyone has their own purchase to some degree of the truth. And it only up until they come, there is some conversation as to to what degree different truths to to what degree different um parties hold the truth can we actually come to some um sanity on these issues so the files issue was a very interesting one to see how people sort of saw the existence of power dynamics in the entire situation because some saw it and called out misogyny in the situation and at least my biggest um, respect for groups, for a certain group that, well, is called the intellectual dark web, but it's just um, a group of people. The one thing that I consider and I respect them for the most is a refusal to resort to slurs. So slurs basically are insults or words that, well, once mentioned cannot necessarily be disagreed with it. Um, because well there's no logical or rational 
disagreement with them. It's basically the fact that they are meant to just slur the, or hurt the person, tarnish the person's image, or and as such, that's my one qualm with the entire issue. But it's a lot larger than that, and as such, it is really important that um, the space for nuance and um, thought and opinions are allowed. And this is an issue that I will, um, I do hope to address in subsequent podcasts and conversations. On that note, please don't forget to like us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, um, Deezer, Google Play, wherever else you think you have you have access to podcasts. Um, Postmodern Africa is everywhere. Follow us on Twitter at Pomo Africa on Instagram at the same handle and on Facebook too. Um, this is just the beginning of a conversation that I hope will allow or create a space for more um, respectful conversation because the Americanization or colonization of discourse that is happening, I think is happening through um, picking up of terms like postmodernism and um, it, the likes and I think we need to address it as soon as possible well, thank you for joining me today and I hope you have a wonderful time see you soon again and I hope I see you again <laughs>